Good day, LA, and welcome to those of you watching from all around the world to another episode of To Live and Buy in Los Angeles. I'm your host, Zach Goldsmith, alongside my first mate, Ben Billock. Hello. And today, <laughs> we welcome a young legend. Young, I like it. Jason Oppenheim. Don't talk during the intro. It, yeah, please. What, did so, you just sorry. interrupt? It's unbelievable. We gotta start again. Jason sorry, Oppenheim guys, I won't interrupt anymore. is just your average real estate agent mm-hmm. who happens to also be an actual real estate broker and attorney, nerd, and he's also a pretty big influencer and reality TV personality. He is the president and founder of the Oppenheim Group and may be best known for being the star of his own Netflix show, Selling Sunset, and its spinoff now, Selling the OC. Are you in that? I don't know if you're in that. <laughs> Look, he's learned not to talk during the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm clearly not doing enough. It's true. <laughs> Please welcome... Jason Oppenheim. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, guys? <laughs> Thank you for coming, man. Yeah. All right. So we're going to dive right into it. How did the opportunity of selling Sunset come about, and uh, why did you decide to do it? This guy, Adam and Skyler, who are now our, our current producers, called. And we initially told them, no, we were not interested. Really? Yeah. And they- You were they, worried about image. And yeah, your, it was just, everything was going so well. I was like- Yes, I knew there would be potential benefits to a great show, right? Uh-huh. But first of all, a great show, a great network, those are all, you know, long shots. And, you know, the idea of, of you know, I was very, I still am, but I guess less so, but very just controlling and just wanting to manage everything. So the idea of someone being in control of my reputation and my company reputation was just antithetical to like who I was as a person. Also, had never watched reality TV, probably not a single episode of any reality TV ever, really. Um and was just uncomfortable with reality TV. Not even yeah. the Whitney and Bobby show? God, I love that show. <laughs> okay. It's dry. So I don't even know the Whitney and Bob. No, Whitney, no. Houston, Whitney Bobby Houston, Brown. Yeah. That's, that's no. showing my age, but let's no. move on. I had seen a couple of episodes of Million Dollar Listing, and I, I'm sure I had seen- Little Kardashian here and there. I'd never the seen Osbournes. a Kardashian, never seen an Osborne. No. Okay. Yeah, well, not a reality guy. No, I mean, more so now than then, but yeah. still not a reality guy. So what got you over the hump? I watched your guys' show. Got a fucking great show, by the way. Um, <laughs> you like it. Yeah. That's the whole reason we Look, brought you the on The network here. told him to, to, to pick No, I really do like your guys' show. That's true. Thank you. We appreciate it. And that. the podcast. I find it very informative. And I'm, I'm not just plugging you guys. The only reason I'm here, because I get invited on a lot of podcasts. That's sick, and dude. We appreciate I that. I don't drive, you know, across town. Do, do, um. You mean get driven across town. But yeah, that's still nice. Fine. I'm trying to be relatable to the <laughs> audience, so... That's never going to happen. Yeah. Oh, my God. What, but relatable? What, You've had your own salt, show for I'm the salt, last seven years. Salt You're trying is to be the salt relatable? of the earth right here. But wait, what, yeah. got, what got you over the hump? Why did you so, decide to do it? So they talked their way in to have a, a meeting. We had taken a meeting like a year earlier. We're like, okay, we'll take another meeting because the, you know, the women seemed kind of interested. They sat us down. They told us about their previous shows they had done. Um, oh, I forget the, what they were. They're going to kill me if they see this. But I know they had done some other big shows. Mm-hmm. I had not seen them, but the women had seen them. And I'm Did gonna, they do like The Hills or something like you. that? Thank you, yes. The Hills and Laguna Beach. Yeah. So it's Adam DeVello? Yeah, Adam okay. DeVello. Okay. So, you know, great pedigree. And, the, and I think the women were very interested in it. We're like, you know what? He says, let me just, you know, because he could tell we were kind of reticent to do something. Um, he's like, let me just interview guys. Let's do something for five minutes. We said, oh, you know, we agreed to that. Then that kind of, you know, sizzle reel, they called it or whatever it was. Sure. They're like, oh, let's do like a 20-minute pilot, you know? Um, and so then we did that. And of course, we had told them like Netflix is who we're interested in. Um, and then he came back to us and said, Netflix is interested in 
picking up a season. So we're like, holy shit, we're actually going to do a, a real <laughs> wow. reality show now. And, and of ha- course, I was a, a wreck season one. I mean, I was really, luckily, they'll never release, you know, like all my tantrums, but I. Oh, you were like, like, we're not doing this. We're not. Oh, I was overthinking everything. I mean, I was yeah. like, so I, I never, I didn't know Adam. I didn't know the production company. I didn't know how it would come out. I was so worried. I was a wreck to work with. Remember when I came in with Very a thousand, John Grauman. I came in with a thousand pages of notes before <laughs> yes. the show started. You're yeah, like, what are you Zach, doing? I'm like, prepare. Zach's in our season two, like the whole thing. And he did come in like with this plan <laughs> on like the first day we were filming. And I was like, dude, I don't think you understand. Like. They're going to tell us what we're doing, pretty much. It's all going out the window. I came in like it was a scripted show, and I was the showrunner. I was like, guys, I got every episode. (laughs) By week four, he finally gave up. Okay, so we talk a lot on this show about preeminence, like being known. And we have made arguments that being known is actually more important than anything else for an agent or an entrepreneur in the service business. Now that you are on the show... And you have hindsight 2020, even after saying like how you were a nightmare and maybe controlling, mm-hmm. do, do you, would you agree with that? That being known is extremely important? Well, I, I guess it depends on what you're, what you're talking about. If you're talking about trying to get, to get business, to become successful yeah. financially, probably. But if you're talking about being a, a great agent, then it doesn't make the top 10 list. But, you know, I think most people listening to this might be trying to figure out how to become successful from a financial perspective, in which case I would agree with you. How about this? I'll Just ask, say get your own show. Well, buddy. no, no. Uh, let That's me ask you. Uh, you know, I'll ask it this way. So, like, you can you can be like some of the people that we know that have been in the business for, like, three decades, let's say, in this market, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have tenure and they have incoming calls because yeah. they've been around. They endured, yeah. right? Yeah. But then you can kind of skip the line a bit as maybe some of the agents on your team have done via the mm-hmm. show to sell, like, big ticket listings, yeah, right? that's absolutely right. So in I mean, a way, get... you can kind of budge, you can not have tenure by being known in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's like the cheat codes, you mm-hmm. know, in a video game. I mean, <laughs> definitely um, the show has garnered, our, you know, tons of listings and buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, and, and every year, I mean, we keep growing despite the market, you know, slowing down. I mean, 2023 was shit for everyone. But in terms of moving up into the higher end market, we're having our you know our best year really in that regard. So awesome. I definitely Congrats. have to attribute a you know a decent amount of that to the publicity we get from the show. Yeah, I'm, I mean I remember way before the show, I had listings and I saw your name canvassing the markets there. You know, north of Sunset Hollywood Hills, mm-hmm. and I was like, who the is this guy? And and you were se- more serious then too. I will say, I you was were more serious guy. Well, I it was. was such a, it much, was such much a polished. Smile. It was you such smile a more now. No, well, I was, was a hustler back then. And there was such a polished package put together yeah. that it's sort of like I I, I feel like uh, that your show now is probably who you are anyway. Well, I'm life. also just a more relaxed guy now than I was, you know, back in the day when we were starting out. Like I started out in 2010. I had, you know, just mm. been a I'd been a corporate lawyer for many years. I was very serious, um, really hard work. You know, I was putting in 15, 17-hour days. I was doing everything myself. I was really hard on myself. I was really hard on anyone that was, you know, working with me. Uh, I was not an easy person probably to get along with, you know, but I I was just extremely serious and extremely hardworking and extremely focused. 
on becoming successful in real estate. It's funny you say that. I was just talking to my wife about this, who is the sweetest person in the world. And then when she has the people who work for her, like when they are not performing to her level, she's like a different person. I'm like, all right, easy, Mamba. Like not everyone will have your work ethic and will have your drive and dedication for your business. So how did you get those people to step up to your level when you're the real one profiting there for your own business, right? Well, I've gone through a transition to be fair. I mean, back then, first of all, back then it was pretty much just that. me. Yeah. What's a new name? <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Careful, this is your last podcast. <laughs> um, so back, back, you know, 12, 13 years ago, um, you know, I really had that lawyer mentality, just that, that grinder, everything had to be perfect, you know, and I was so hard on everyone. I'm so hard on myself and I couldn't afford an assistant. So I had, I eventually, like in 2000, got, I think I started with the Joyce Ray team. That's what we were going to ask you. How did yeah. you go from Joyce Ray to like Tom Bilyeu? Oh, okay. So uh, I don't discuss well, my clients, but. <laughs> okay, oh, fine. nice. Can you so back up? You, hold you, on. You, you look it's... like you're playing an eight, a secret agent if, if, on a if, ship sorry. in Saint-Tropez. <laughs> and all I see Call is me the back. Of, yeah. Can you, no, no, can so, you back sorry. up, please? What I was going to say can is, see my boy? it's been in the press, so that's fair. Sure. Okay. So yeah. we don't have to talk about him, but you were on Joyce Ray's team mm-hmm. and then you sold at that time the highest price sale on the strip. And that was the record for for a minute. I mean, many years after Joyce. So when I left law, uh, my brother and I both left, you know, big corporate law jobs because we just we just couldn't do it anymore. To be honest, um, did you work together? No, different law firms. Uh, he quit, and then I quit. Anyway, we did not know what we wanted to do. We just we honestly we sold everything we owned. We packed. We packed a bag, a 50-pound bag, and traveled the world for like three years. I mean, no, didn't do anything. Wait, three years? Three years. We would go for like six months, come back, you know, laundry, clean up, hang out with friends for like a week, and then Jim head back out. Laundry. You had three years of reserves. No, I didn't. I came back in significant credit card debt. Really? Yeah, back when you could do that. You know, this was 2000. We quit law in 2007, mm. and I traveled to 2010. Good I came back you. in what like $45,000 of credit card debt. Um, I don't know what my brother had, but... Um, asked my grandpa if I could drive his, you know, $900, like 84 Lincoln. I mean, when I came back from traveling and started with Joyce, I was living in a one bedroom, 1200 bucks a month, sleeping on the couch, driving my grandpa's car that overheated. I mean, it was not a pretty, I went from being like a high powered attorney making several hundred thousand a year to really just struggling, you know, trying or to pay you off could look at it debt. as someone who became very rich in culture and world travels and in life. As I did. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Sure I mean, I, I would recommend that to anyone. And you would never go back on what you did. Oh, of course not. Yeah. No, because you can never, you can't do that when you're, people wait till they retire. You know, you're 70 years old. You're going to travel to, I went to 80 countries. You're not going to travel to 80 countries when you're 70 years Whoa. old. Sick. Wow. Yeah. Well, three years, you know, it's, it's mean, some time. It, Zach turns into Christopher Walken. Wow, <laughs> 30, 80 Zach countries, is amazing. <laughs> That's outstanding. I couldn't go to one, let alone two. Oh my gosh! You know, seven years ago or so, before you like pre-show, but before you really blew up as an agent, I was up against you for a listing, and the seller told me that you said on the Sunset Strip. From three to seven million dollars, I own this market. I own it. And um, so, aside from geography, when you were an agent, were you really focused on that local farm, the strip, yeah. or were there any other pipelines that you pursued that were important I, to you? I had nobody that I knew. I had no 
clients really. So I had the, the, the negative is, you know, I didn't have any listings. Uh, the positive was that I wasn't tied to any particular area. So I said, like, what is the mo- what's my dream? What's the most fun I could ever have being a real estate agent? I already chosen my favorite job, which is wow, being a realtor. Wow, what a start. Then I said, the Hollywood Hills to me is the sexiest area in the world. It's all these cool people and these cool homes. Um, it was my dream to live there. So I said, that's where I'm going to... Everyone told me about farming, right? Like, pick an area. I mean, I remember... And I guess Steve was like the manager of Coldwell Banker and was with Joyce. And they're like, get to pick an area. I'm like, I get to pick my area. <laughs> oh, wow. I want the Hollywood Hills. Like Joyce was doing Beverly Hills. I'm like, no, I want, I want like Sexier. Hollywood Hills. Yeah. So that's what I said. I'm just going to start farming the Hollywood Hills. And uh, I just manifested it. I mean, I just worked, you know, I, people always ask how, you know, how, what tricks there are or like knowledge. I, I wish I could give someone like some great informative sentence. I mean, I worked. 17 hour days. I, I looked at a street map, like old school street map, and I memorized every single street in the Hollywood mm-hmm. Hills. I memorized every house, every sale. I went to every broker open and every open house on Sundays so that when I finally met someone at a restaurant that said they lived on, you know, Kinglet, or I'm just making, you know, what some street, I would sound like I had sold a bunch of homes. Like I would be like, oh, I went to the open house down the street. You know, the parking on your street sucks, but, you know, I really like the views on from the east side. You know, also I was, I was just very direct with people, honest, direct, super knowledgeable. And, I've, and, and I had the, the legal background and I told people I was a lawyer and, um, and I was just a serious dude. And I think people finally like would give me a shot. Now, granted, I, my, I was doing leases and like, you know, 1.5, 2.5 million dollar homes. It's not like I was balling out, you know, selling five and $10 million homes in 2010, 11, but you know, you sell a one minute and a half million dollar house. Then six months later, they call you back. They want to buy a $2 million house. That you're building that you, the foundation. Yeah, you're building the foundation. I was doing 30, you know, that time I wasn't making much money, but I think my th- my first year I didn't do shit. I did one deal my first year. I didn't make any money for like eight months. And Joyce gave me the lead. I mean, I really could not. It's so hard to start in real estate. Ugh, the, yeah, so that's you're, what I would say. The, the it's secret sauce the is be really good at what you do. Because you just got yeah. really good at what you and do. have experience. Like, you know, give yourself experience. No, don't have experience by selling homes, obviously, because you can't do that yet. But know start, everything start, start, there is know to know. Know everything there is to know. And so you, people, at the end of the day, you have to instill confidence, right? I mean, your client is going to give you one of their most important assets. They, I mean, yes, I had the legal background and, and, and I, you know, am intelligent and can speak intelligently. But if you don't know what you're talking about, they're going to see right through you in two minutes. So I, I fucking studied everything. I, I really obsessed about being, I printed out all the contracts, actually printed out all the contracts. I had them in like little files and shit at Coldwell Banker. I would highlight every single contract and memorize every single contract. I don't think there's a person in the last 10 years who has actually read every single CAR contract. I, I knew just about every word of every contract. You could ask me a question about anything. Yeah, yeah. I obsess over it too, but that is going to another level. You said something really interesting that you're like, I picked, not only I got to pick the perfect area, I got to pick the perfect job. You wanted to be a realtor. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When I came back from traveling, my brother and I were like, what? I want to be happy. You know, I had worked really hard. I had the job that everyone wanted, so to speak, the prestigious job, you know. You drove um, the douchey Porsche. I had the Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the corner office, you know, dressed the part, had the part, looked the part, sounded like the part, you know, go to the bar, tell the ladies you're an attorney. You had all it works. all for the corporate But I life. wasn't. I was happy on paper. I wasn't really happy like in the real world. You know, yeah. I was maybe a a six and a half on the happiness scale. And by the way, I 
I every few months I look and make sure I'm, you know, I'm at least a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. I wasn't for mm-hmm. years. I was not a seven or an eight, despite the fact that you know I had everything that you know mm-hmm. I wanted. So when I came back, I, I I decided I wanted to do what I thought would make me happy. And real estate, you know, my family had been in real estate. It just I love I fucking love real estate. I was so pat when I was traveling, we would go look at properties in every country we were at, just because I I just love real what estate. What do you love about real estate? Oh, I mean architecture, design, furnishing, the the finances you get behind into it, it all. I like looking. I like picking the best unit in a building. I like figuring out why a house is more valuable than the next house. Scale architecture, floor plan. What, how could I add value? You know, I love the, the in putting my investor hat on with my clients and like trying to find a deal. I love literally just about everything about real estate, even con- the people. He's convincing me to hire him as an agent. No, I can't even you know what's him. interesting is what I'm hearing from you is like, you know, someone once told me I had a mastery complex, like the things that I get into, I like, mm. I f- go fucking long, wide, deep. Do you, yeah. is there- I'm the same way. So, okay, so do you- I can't go into anything without like going, casually. going deep. Yeah, if you're into it, like you're going really hard. So is there anything else in <laughs> is your- that, Am I the only person that- what? Went that in a bad direction there? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, <laughs> well, just, I just became very erotic. To, I just wanted to laugh with I the got audience. Erotic. There. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. No, we're going to bleep all that out. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> My question. <laughs> My question for you is, is there other things that in your personal life that you feel like you also do the mastery thing? Like, a, a, There's nothing in my life. My, my parents instilled in me like having pride. I mean, if I handed in a book report when I was six years old, it had the best cover on it, you know, that and it was just printed perfectly. I mean, I, I'm big on presentation. I'm big in just detail. If I was polishing my shoes or if I washed my car. I would wash my car for an hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, someone else would wash it for five minutes. I, I could never take my car to get washed because it would never be done right. I mean, I had, I, I was very detail oriented. Do you mm-hmm. think the people around you live up to your expectation of detail generally? Uh, I if they want to work for me, they do. I think that, that one in a thousand people have the level of mastery and detail that I, that I think that I have. Go ahead. Does flex. it make it hard? Ahead, does, does it make it hard for you to? <laughs> oh yeah, it makes that makes life lead? hard. And does it make? It well, make I it think. Hard to lead? Well, there's two things, and I'm I'm just being honest about this. Please. I there you, there's a good with, and a bad with everything. The good for me is that I think that is why I'm successful, right? So I don't dismiss the the benefit of being the way that I am. The negative is that you, you can you can be very frustrating. You know, in life, life can be frustrating for you if you live at a certain, you know, expectation and other people don't, then you can get frustrated. And if you don't enjoy the fact, like I know that if everyone was like me as a real estate agent, I would be dime a dozen. I would not be as successful as I am. So I have to, I focus on that, the beauty of the fact that it, that has rewarded me with this lifestyle. And I also, to be fair, I'm way more chill now than I was, you know, Yeah, it's like Billy got softer over the years. Um, I, I will say that, um... Um, my, um, I had a coach once tell me like with regard to leading team members, like, Hey, don't forget they're not you. That's why they need you. And that was really eye opening for me. I think like learning how to promote and brand yourself is big in this business. You have the benefit of having your own show. How do people Mm. brand themselves to stand out without that, without that kind of promotion? Okay, I'll start by saying this, uh, and this sounds cliche, but it's it's so important as authenticity because you have to be yourself. Um, otherwise, it's going to come off as disingenuous. Like I, for example, I'm a very direct 
overly honest person. So when I go into a listing, I'm very negative and very critical and very honest and very direct with my clients. But I get away with it because it's so clearly me. You know, if you, that's not you and you try to pull that off, or if I go into a listing and I'm super, you know, like, oh, I love your kitchen when I don't love your kitchen or I, you know, and I'm like saying, oh, everything's great. And your house is worth $9 million. It's so inauthentic to me. It's just not my personality. I'm just such a, I don't know. I just really enjoy being direct and honest. And so I've been able to curate and develop who I am. Right. I think every, everyone we've had that we have respected tremendously who has branded themselves well probably does it that way. It's just organically, unapologetically themselves. Yes. And people appreciate yeah. that in life. Yeah, and there's a saying, uh, your vibe attracts your tribe. And I think you're like, people allow you to do it because you've effectively, by being yourself over time successfully, have curated a tribe that accepts you for who you are. Yeah. And you are like, hey, I'm okay. I'm not here for, I'm not the agent for everyone. Maybe I'm not the best agent for the people that are looking for like the placating agent who's your friend. Yeah. And I'm in the pocket and doing my best for you when I'm being myself. And now your sphere of influence is full of people that accept you for who you are, which by the way, while is a better business model, it's also a better life. Did you ever fear... Um, that kind of like the soap opera side of Selling Sunset would be a threat to your business long term once Selling Sunset ends one day. No. I, I, first of all, I don't fear it at all. And second of all, and I know this probably sounds self-serving, but I also don't really care about the hate, you know, and the comment. To be fair, I probably haven't even read a comment in years. I mean, I really don't pay attention to social media comments. And um, and it doesn't discredit people that do. A lot of the people on our show, you know, read the comments. Um, for better or for worse, I'm just not particularly interested. And maybe that I don't, maybe that's not good for it's me to say. It's probably good because the more that you're out there, the more negative comments and feedback. Yeah. You'll and get. I also feel like if, listen, if you're not getting hate, you're not on a good show. You know what I mean? If, if, if everyone's leaving you alone and not talking shit, then they're not jealous. It means you're not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. How do you capitalize now on the show's success? It just comes. I just get phone calls. You know, I think a lot of, I, it's, it's a level of marketing that you could never pay for, yeah. right? I mean, it would cost you $50 million to get the marketing for the, my brand that I've received through the Netflix show. So I don't have to do anything other than just keep doing, you know, just keep working hard and doing a good job. I mean, I, the clients come to me now, a lot of them, but you still got to do a good job because you want to keep them as clients. So mm -hmm. I still do everything I do. I just have more incoming than I used to. Right. And outside of the real estate stream, as an influencer, you've got a lot of followers. So you've got a lot of people wanting to get their products in front of you. I yeah, imagine. I do like social media collaborations, which again, I was never into, but then I saw how lucrative it could be because the ladies were doing it. So now I'm leaning into it more. But yeah, that's, that's like a fun thing that I'll do while I'm still relevant. And then in a couple of years, I'll just be a real estate agent again. And you love it. Well, oh, I'll, 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 I'll lean in. Oh, I will. I'll, I'm going to be an agent. I'm going to die behind my right? desk. Yeah, I, I, I'll never it. retire. I mean, I really do enjoy. You love what representing I'm doing. shitty people. I don't anymore. I mean, I literally. You I'm at a point where I. I uh, well, first of all, I really don't think there's that many shit, truly shitty people. I mean, ninety five percent. Even when people are acting shitty, it's because of stress 
or they don't know how to manifest their frustrations or their financial, you know, concerns. It's a good way to it's put not it. Like, I would say that's a very rare person who's actually a shitty person. Um, I, it just they happen to be shitty the entire transaction. Yeah, but I'm, I've got a thick skin for that. You may you know? be great. I used to be a much more difficult person than I am today. And I was always a, what I considered a good person. But I was a difficult person to deal with sometimes. So you don't care at that point. You're you no matter what. You're yeah. Gonna I, I, listen, I've been to a therapist way. the last few years. That's amazing. I got her at, in an hour and a half. Um, and she is also as cliche as this is, but she would, she would tell me, and this stuck with me more than anything else she said, because I would internalize other people's frustrations and other people's actions, you know, and I would, mm. and she told me that other people's actions are not a reflection of you. They're a reflection of them. And like, that kind of made me like realize that see things differently. Though. Yeah. It was like, you know what? This is them. I didn't, this is not on me. They're acting out because they have, you know, whatever particular issues they're dealing with. Maybe they needed, you know, whatever. I won't get into made of de- details, but yeah, essentially I just stopped internalizing things so much, you it's know, a, and I'm a much a great... more confident and happier person. I, I don't, I don't get yeah. as angry with people anymore. And if they get upset, I don't let it like, get that cortisol up in me like I used to. That's a great way to approach life is to imagine whatever they're going through, they're dealing with. I mean, it's obviously hard to always keep that perspective. It's easy to say on a podcast. It's hard to do when you're in the heat of the moment. And I'm by no means, you know, I know you're happier in those moments. Don't you feel like I, I do. Yeah. I care a lot less about the small things now and I don't let other people affect me as much. Um, and I'm a happier person now. Granted, I'm sure that all the my friends and family and financial success and all that makes that easier maybe. You know, as I'm getting older and more successful in those arenas, like maybe it's easier to not give a fuck as much. But I definitely think the therapy and, you know, and focusing on that has helped too. So I see speak- I see why Graham, by the way, interviewed him for three hours. Very pleasant guy <laughs> to hang know. out with. Do you um do you have a morning routine? No. No morning routine. I mean, the only thing that I do in the morning is kiss my dogs, and then make a coffee. That is not a routine. By the way, it's his routine. That, I love to hear successful people that don't well, that is say, all... I get up at 4.30, I meditate for two hours. I oh, I got up at 9. Work out for nine, six hours. It went back to bed at 9.30, fed, you know, fed my dog at 8, went back to bed. He is successful as a motherfucker. And then, <laughs> he went back to bed. He's just answering that question today. 20 <laughs> years ago, he's like, I got up at 4. I spent four hours meditating. I was never a morning guy. I've just never been a morning guy. I was trying to battle that. Oh, yeah. you got to be a morning guy. I no, feel like I don't. do my best work late. I've never started work before 9 a.m. Even when I was like oh, grinding, this is I would just favorite. I would just work till 2 a.m. But Cut. I would never. We're done. End on yeah. that. That's so I, I know. for my life. <laughs> Wait. I, so I have a question for you. So yeah. look, we've had a you're lot. Selling, How many more? You're selling. I, in, I got I got time, guys. I have I don't have therapy till six. Okay, so. we're we're wrapping up here. But so a lot of people think you have to be a hot. 64 Glamazon to work at the Oppenheim Group. Is that true? That's why I didn't apply. <laughs> not, You're not 64. He's like, that will, they won't take <laughs> yeah, me. I'm not 64. Um, so, first of all, we have 80 agents at the Oppenheim Group now, I think, between all the offices and Mazel. And maybe, you know, ten, eight are on selling Sunset and 10 are on selling the OC. Um, so, I think that Cabo. I think that it helps. He's gotten to eighty That's very next. quickly. <laughs> yeah, I think it helps uh, to be on the show. I think that there's a type for the show more than there's a type for the Oppenheim Group. Um, yeah, well, that's a distinct difference. Yeah, and and I also, you know, have brought on a lot of people close in my life or people that I've dated and 
you know, they happen to be attractive. So. <laughs> do, do you do any recruiting of any I kind? No. Not anymore. Well, no. you definitely don't need No, to. I never recruited because I never wanted to grow. I never wanted to grow a brokerage. It wasn't until this year that I even opened up the other two offices. I, I just, first of all, I don't believe the brokerage model is that lucrative. You know, it's more stress than it is money. Um, and so I just had no, I, I did the Oppenheim Group for me. You know, I didn't do it. I'm never selling right. it. I'm not. So expansion for me is not in and of itself a good thing. Um, if I enjoy it and I have good people, fine. But I'm not really like running a business and trying to like, you know, grow a balance sheet. So if, if you had to kind of start over, particularly to the real estate agents that we have on the show, and obviously you're prolific at this point, you're known worldwide. They, you know, they, as they dream and hope, like uh, Joyce Ray probably gave you like a little nugget here and there, as did my mentor. And Mauricio still drops them here and there to us. I give you um, tips. What, um, you know, is there any nugget that you would maybe offer up for someone who's new? I mean, I'm not a hopeful guy or a dreamer. I don't have goals. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. No morning routine, no goals. It's true, though. I'm just a hard worker. But you know what's the best I, I, I like to focus on just working hard. I don't, I'm not so consistency. super goal-oriented. Showing up, consistency. Um, I also, I, I, it turns me off when people are like, I'm going to be the top eight. I'm like, dude, chill with the goals. Chill with, you know, the the where you're going to be. Like, just let's just own where we're at and let's just get better every day. Mm. I, I, I does, it turns me off, you know, I'm not, that's why I don't like watch YouTube videos. Like, I'm not like a, I don't got to get pumped up. I well, don't that's because you're already redlining naturally. No, 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 but <laughs> fine. Yeah, I, I, the, the answer is... Uh, the worst entrepreneurial advice that I can give here is that you should just do work as hard as you can every day to advance your, where you want to be. So like a little each don't day. Don't dwell on, don't talk about where you're going to be. I hate it when people talk about where they're going to be. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's such an LA thing. And he's not even just saying do it. Just actually do a little just bit work every hard. day. He's not saying do a little bit every day. He's just saying hit the pavement. That's it. Yes. Yeah, st- yeah, like show up. Stop trying to get rich quick for one mm-hmm. um and stop trying to find like golden nuggets well i do still think i hear you saying oh, let me, show sorry up. okay go let, ahead. Me, let me say one because i have a uh, a lot of confidence in myself so and i would say that has been one of the more valuable things i've always believed in myself that i could be successful i've invested in myself um so that and i'm not even saying everyone should invest in themselves. I mean, some people are more capable than other people. I mean, I mean, that's just, that's the real world. So if you think you can be, you know, great and you're smart and hardworking, then invest in yourself. I mean, I, I opened up the Oppenheim Group with every dollar I had. I had no agents. It was just me. And I built out this office. That could have miserably failed. I mean, you know, if I had presented that business plan to like a, you know, some, the, my, the, my Berkeley, you know, uh, business school class, it, it would have got an F. Like, they're like, well, where's the plan? I'm like, I don't have a plan. Like, I'm just going to build a dope office and I'm going to sell homes in the Hollywood Hills because that's my favorite area. <laughs> I can't believe all the people watching be like, Wait. that's writing notes. Okay, <laughs> build a dope office. Yeah. <laughs> sell homes everywhere. <laughs> it hired Great all, advice. All best friends. Great advice. <laughs> the one thing that I thought <laughs> would, I can't remember. You said two things that really stood out to me. One, oh, I remember only one of them at this point. But Which the, was he would be friends with you. No, 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 no. When, that stood out to when, me. No, no, that. his positive outlook on, he was like, wait, I get to choose my area. Whereas mm. everyone, most people would be like, how am I going to compete with so-and-so who's already doing so much business there? You were like, wait, what? Like I get, you know, like uh, that Seinfeld bit when he's like, kid, when kids... 
hear about Halloween and they're like, I can wear that, you know? (laughs) So um, I just think, you know, you have this, you have this like natural positive outlook. Everything that we asked you, like, did you have fear around the genre of the show? Did, you know, when you were getting into real estate, how did you get to these things? Every single thing, you're like, I believe in myself and you have this positive spin. And I think um, you're lucky that that comes naturally to you. It doesn't for everybody. Is this the way you were raised? Yeah. uh, My parents parents always like... Give me some parenting tips, will you? Uh, he needs. I mean, my parents were tough on me, but also like instilled a ton of confidence in me. Like you know, maybe this is. I just assumed every parent tell their kid that like they could do whatever they wanted and be whatever they wanted, and they were so you know talented, definitely and not intelligent. Nope. Okay, so I, that was shut up. You're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I got a lot of that, and I as much, and I had a. I mean, I was a f- f- shitty kid. You know, I. Well, we won't get into it, no, but I mean, I it's not that. like I was successful when I was younger. Um, but I had a lot of self-confidence. Even when I was totally fucking up, I had a lot of self-confidence. Because and if your I ever, parents instilled in yeah, you like, that if I you... ever, I always believed that if I ever did apply myself, um, I was going to mm-hmm. do really well. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a car mechanic, but I thought I was going to be the best car mechanic. You know, whatever I wanted to do, I really did believe I was going to be great at it. In fifth grade, is that what you wanted to be? A car uh, mechanic? Fifth grade, high school, college. Really? Yeah. Aspiring. Yeah. Yeah, I took uh, auto body in high school. I didn't even really go to normal yeah, high school. I took auto I took, body in high school too. I couldn't wait to get out. Oh, I, I specialize. I took what's called a regional occupation program where for people who knew what they wanted to do, instead of going to like a normal curriculum, you know, educational curriculum, you could focus on auto tech and auto body. So half my, half my high school was working on my hot rod. It's amazing. I do like him a lot. I, I, you kind of want to meet with these legends and be like, you know what? You, you, Jason's up for the job too. Oppenheim? I like him. What can I say? Can I I'm out. Yeah, hire him. He's gonna tell you the truth. Yeah, he's gonna be I nice. I love about your it. kitchen, FYI. Meet with Jason. <laughs> I think you did an incredible job. By the way, that is how you beat him. That is, yeah. You just you tell him a million dollars more than their house is worth. You'll get the Look, listing. Look, I think here. you did a bang up job. For me, I would buy this in a second. Let's focus on the general public. Wipe your slate clean. Any more questions for Jason before we let him go to therapy? Um, I'd like to be in the therapy. You want to Zoom? <laughs> I'd like to see what she does. And I, then I don't have the, what's that uh, privilege, a therapy privilege. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you love therapy every time you go? I think Do everyone. stuff laid out on the I, table I, to give? No, I don't prep like you, man. The therapy for me is like going to the gym. I don't love going to the gym. If I could snap my fingers and be done with the gym, I would snap my fingers every day. But I do it because I know that it's good for my body. I know that therapy is good for my mind, yeah. Mm. It's like the gym for my mind. Yeah, his discipline is a hard... Yes, of course. You you like discipline. This guy doesn't. That's why he has the arms like this. uh, You have arms that look like a golden girl. (laughs) Show them. Show them your baby. Show them your baby arm. On that note... <laughs> Guys, thank you for tuning in to another action-packed, info-packed, not advice-packed episode of To Live and Buy in Los yeah. Angeles. If you can't find living legend Jason Oppenheim on the internet, you're on the wrong wavelength. I'm at Ben Bellack, seated next to at Zach Goldsmith 24. Can I interrupt the closing? Or God, I... no. Shit. Unbelievable. We have well, to re-record do it again. now. <laughs> you like this guy. <laughs> you like this guy. He doesn't stop. If you, by the way, he's thinking right now. He's like, who's talking? <laughs> One more question. Take us out, Zach. Take us out. 
Wait, did you really want to ask something? In no, the end? I just, just wanted to be a dick. Fuck, no one's done that to us before. <laughs> no one has interrupted the closing. He's a master. Oh. He's a mastery complex. Say it. Thank you. Just say it. Super bien.